Welcome to the Inspirational, Informational, and Transparent Aviation Careers Podcast. Joining me today is Brianna Dittman to discuss careers in flight operations and ferry flying. You know, before we begin, though, if you want to be a guest on the show, please visit aviationcareerspodcast.com and click on the online courses. And if you have any questions at all, please email us at feedback at aviationcareerspodcast.com. Also, a quick thank you to our sponsor of this episode, and that's PlainEnglishSim.com. You know, many of you listen to this podcast to help understand aviation terms and their proper pronunciation in English. Well, there's an app for that. It's called Plain English Sim, and it's an app-based aviation simulator. It's an easy way to gain you know, radio proficiency in both the VFR environment and also an IFR flight. If you use a coupon code Plain English Sim, you can get one-year access to the Online Aerospace Scholarships Guide. Uh, there will be links in the show notes for the guide. Uh, there's a limited number of coupons, so get out there and get them early using that Plain English Sim coupon. You can go to aviationcareerspodcast.com slash scholarships to find out more. Again, plainenglishsim.com. We really appreciate your sponsorship. Well, again, welcome to the show, Brianna. You've been on before. It's it's so uh, exciting to have you on again. Thank you. Yeah, I'm really excited to be back. Well, uh, you know, one of the things that I think people really misunderstand about uh, aviation and the aviation careers are aircraft delivery, you know, crew leasing and, you know, test flying and all those kind of things. So today we're going to focus on flight operations and, uh, you know, ferry flying careers. And uh, those type of, that type of flying, I think people don't understand. So we're going to get a little bit of background on that coming up soon. But first of all, for those that haven't heard you before, just a quick, you know, uh, what it, you know, your career path and how you got to this point where you are now in, involved in flight operations. Yeah, of course. So um, I graduated from Polk State with my bachelor's in aerospace administration. Um, during this time, I was living in San Diego. I was working customer service, line service at different FBOs. And then I got into helicopter charters. So I started working flight operations um, for helicopter charters and working maintenance, things like that. And uh, recently graduated from Embry-Riddle with my master's. Um, and six months ago, I was dead set determined that I was going to be uh, working as an accident investigator, but I actually got very, I would say lucky. Um, the owner of the company, uh, he and I have followed each other on Twitter for a little while, and he reached out to me on Twitter back in about December and said, hey, we have a need for a new person to come in and kind of take over some of our flight ops things. Is that something that you'd be interested in? And I told him yes. And then uh, about two and a half months later, he messaged me and he was like, hey, it's finally time. Do you want to do you want to come work for us? And so I interviewed on like a Monday. I got my offer on Tuesday and started working that day, really. Wow, that's absolutely terrific. Um, so and and I'm actually I'm just so happy for you by the way and congratulations one more time I know it's been a while yeah. since you graduated but that's awesome um, as far as this career or I should say this job um, you talked about this job in the company tell us a little bit more about the company you're working for yeah so I work for um, Nomadic Aviation Group um, it was founded by two managing partners named Bob and Steve. Um, and we really work with a core group of seven employees and 25 contract pilots. Um, so Bob and Steve have been in the ferry business for well over 20 years. Um, and Nomadic is actually the second largest 
third-party operations provider uh, by volume. And we're also the largest and the busiest in the United States. So um, we also have all of our own in-house dispatching, planning, uh, support resources, and do about 300 operations annually. Um, And so this is working for large uh, leasing companies, um, multiple airlines, uh, dozens and dozens of registries that we're able to fly um, and fly in over 80 countries. And it's just, there's so much going on in the operation. So this aircraft that you're flying, um, give us an idea primarily what you're you're flying and also maybe give us uh, an idea of some of the different ones you've that are kind of oddball aircraft that you may have worked with. So we are able to fly pretty much every single Boeing, pretty much every single Airbus, um, Embraer's, MDs. Um, we are we have pilots that are able to fly everything. Um, we get a ton of A320s. We get a ton of 737s. Um, I would say since I've been working, not really an oddball, but I feel like this trip was kind of odd for this type of aircraft, but we ferried an E-175 from uh, California all the way to Bratislava, Slovakia. Um, So that was quite around the world, especially for a regional jet. Wow. Uh, That must have took a little bit of planning. So that's... uh as far as that plan is concerned, how do you get to learn how to do that? Uh, the way that I learned is I was really thrown in. Um, but we have two amazing dispatchers who we have one dispatcher who knows absolutely every single regulation for every single country. And he's able to kind of handle all of that stuff. They send briefs, they send flight plans, test plans, um, and he just kind of, between the two of them, um, the, the plans are so thorough that there's just all the pilots typically need to do is get in the plane and go. You know, we've talked to people that do ferry flights in small planes uh, and, you know, 172s, things like that. You can kind of crate those up and, and send them overseas. Uh, is that an option, by the way? I, I've never heard of somebody doing that, but is that something you guys do is, or is it uh, you always fly the plane? No, they're always flown, always got, uh, always got our crew on board, um, and always got our ops on the ground, um, watching the flights the whole time. Uh, this is, you know, sometimes it takes three days, four days, 25, 26 hours of flying to get these planes where they got to go, but they're always flown. Yeah. You mentioned something about crew leasing and I think, um, I, people don't understand uh, what that is. Um, what is crew leasing and why do people use that? Yeah. So, um, for us, we have a lot of contract pilots. Um, we have our core group of pilots, but there's occasionally times where we have a lot of trips or we have a specific plane that um, some of our guys might not be um, available to fly. And so what we do is we have contract pilots that will come in and leasing companies come to us because they say that they're returning a lease airplane or they're um, about to lease one out and it needs to go to a new airline or a new company. So they pay us and we get crews together that go to the location pick up the plane and deliver it to where it needs to go. And so our crews are all handled by us. So for the person that's interested in careers, how do you find out about the jobs and how do you as an operator find out, find the pilots? So we're very lucky. Um, 
we have probably a couple hundred people that have shown interest um, from all over the world. We really look for pilots all over the world because that's where we operate. Um, and so there's a form on our website that you can go on if you have qualifications, if you have type ratings, um, and you can fill it out and you kind of go into this queue. So say, for instance, we're looking for any also pilot that is 737 type rated. We could go there and look up who specifically and where do they live. And if they fit this kind of uh, form that we're looking for, we can contact them and, hey, are you available to come fly this flight with us? You know, a lot of folks that I talk to are getting ready for retirement and uh, they have lots of hours, say, in an Airbus, triple seven, whatever, A320. Is this that a type of job someone could do in retirement after the, say, age 65, like in the United States? Um, so we are a Part 91, so there's no age limit restrictions on that kind of stuff. Um, it's really about if they're up to it at that, <laughs> at that point, because it is, it's a lot of, uh, it's a lot of long hours. It's a lot of traveling back and forth and um, transoceanic flights too, which is a lot. Yeah, absolutely. And for those people that are listening right now, there's some that are getting close to retirement. Uh, one of the things that I, I like to do is refer people close to retirement to certain types of jobs that they can do. You can tr you can fly all your life. This is one of them. Mm -hmm. you, you don't. I mean, I, I work with a lot of folks that are past 65, you know, working in the simulators, et cetera, and they want to still fly. They could come to you guys. Yeah, it's uh, ferry, ferrying is definitely, ferries and demos are definitely things that can be done. So the other thing that you have to look at is the fact that um, you may not be able to do certain flights, right? Uh, so for instance, if you go to a country where they require you to have the ATP and, and be a certain age, you may not be able to do those, like for a certain crew leasing, et cetera. Or if they, if, I'm assuming, I should say, that they can't do those flights. So I've never personally run into that issue. Um, the most that we... The most issues that we have is validations for things, um, but we have our ops people who um, get validations for different countries and things like that, um, the overfly permits, um, all of that. And so prior to asking someone if they can fly the flight, we check into that to make sure that they're able to actually legally fly that flight. So do you do any type of um, passenger flying also, like uh, charters and things like that? Nope. Um, all of the planes that we fly are crew only. So it's kind of cool seeing a little bit of the behind the scenes photos and videos of taking like 767s that are um, completely empty or especially um, cargo conversion ones that are literally completely empty, not just a bunch of empty seats, but it's just a big empty airplane with two pilots. <laughs> you know, it's it's really cool to see those kinds of things. Absolutely. It's kind of like a cargo flight. It's just two pilots up front in this huge airplane. Maybe but there's some more stuff in the back, usually with a cargo flight. Yeah. So that's something that's important to know. If you know, passenger flying is a lot different. There's different requirements. And uh, and there's a lot of folks out there that have experience that there's a pool of people. And, and, and that's what these type of jobs are one of those things you have to, I feel you have to do a little more networking for because I'm sure you get a lot of people applying. Uh, yeah, like I said, we've got a uh, we've got a good list of uh, it's probably a hundred plus people who have shown interest, and of course things change, um, and people don't people aren't able to pick up flights, you know. But um, it's definitely a lot of networking. If uh, if you could come in as a pilot, and you know somebody within the company that's already flying with us knows you, 
it's a lot easier to be able to get in because of the safety of the operation. Um, if we can have somebody that can vouch for someone as a pilot, it's a lot better. So let's switch from the pilot side to the operational side and talk a little bit about what the day's like and, you know, maybe take a trip from start to finish. Um, but before we do that, do you have to be a like uh, have piloting experience? I think, you know, you're a pilot, right? So do you, do you have to have flying experience before you can work in operations? Um, so I'm still working on my uh, private, actually. Um, I'm almost done with that. Um, I don't think that that's necessarily helped me too much on this one. Um, and it wasn't a requirement. I'm sure it does help um, whenever you get into flight planning. But the funny thing is, is that it's just such a, such a different environment that even like really kind of like the airline industry can't even really prepare you for what you're going to be getting yourself into. Um, just because it is so different. It's so hard to explain. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, like from the op side of things, we will get like a quote, like I said, we work with leasing companies. Um, and sometimes we work with a select number of airlines and they'll say, Hey, we need to take this plane from Singapore to Miami. And so we'll quote that out. And if they accept it, then we kind of start working on test flight plans. We'll start looking at what crews match up the type and the kind of trip that it's going to be, who's, you know, looking into travel and things like that. Um, And then we'll work on, you have to get like TSA waivers, um, overfly permits for different countries. Uh, Sometimes you'll need um, RVSM, LOA applications if you're going to be in that airspace. And there's a lot more of it that's kind of, it just depends on every trip. Every trip's really different. And I think something that's kind of funny is I'm a planner. And so in this kind of industry, we don't even really start looking at these trips until about two weeks out. We don't even consider them. Um, And so two weeks out is when we start doing that preliminary um, stuff like looking at who's possibly going to be crewing this. And then about a week out is when we start applying for permits we start really solidifying crew travel, getting all of that together. And so the day of, the crews will just get their like flight plans and then they will head out. So to do that, though, I would think there there has to be a lot of experience. So to give an example, if you were going delivering something from Miami to Peru, say, you would have to have some type of knowledge knowing, you know, I need an overflight of Cuba. I need an Ecuador overflight permit, you know, those type of things. Uh, again, this is something that you get from other people that are experienced and say, hey, I've done this before. You know, so the next time you do it, you can do it. Is that how it works? Um, I'm still definitely learning a lot of that stuff. But like I said, our dispatchers, we have um, our dispatchers have, I think, at least 20 years of dispatching and experience as well. So they they've really brought me in and are like mentoring me and really wanting me to learn and kind of grow within the company so that I can figure those things out myself. So do you think it's a good idea maybe to get your dispatcher certificate before you do something like this? I have absolutely considered it. Um, I really think that having my uh, dispatching license would really help a lot because of the fact that you have uh, pilots will be like, hey, what's the time and route for here? Or who is going to be servicing the plane? Or, you know, just what's the fuel on board? What are we landing with the fuel? And you need to be able to kind of work through that and uh, be able to kind of build those flight plans. And if something happens in flight, there's times where I'm the, the one that's watching these flights, I'm uh, flight following for them. And, you know, something happens and they're kind of going off off course because there, something has happened while they're flying. You, I've got to call our dispatchers and wake them up. And I'm like, hey, it's me again. So 
I absolutely think that it would be uh, beneficial to have a dispatching license. Absolutely. You know, and a lot of people don't realize that in part 91, you, you may not need that dispatcher certificate, but it sure does help. You can never, you can never know too much. That's really what that comes down to. Absolutely. And that's uh, a big plug for people to go to dispatcher school because you learn so much. I mean, it, it brings you up to speed as like you're an airline captain, right? Because you're going to go through all the planning and all the contingencies and understand all the different rules. So uh, I highly recommend it if you're looking into doing that even if you just want to read the book take the test etc it can be a little bit dry if you're not doing it in a class because sometimes it's best to have people have some kind of examples for you absolutely that it's it's so it's fascinating that that is for sure Uh, but someone who's in operations doesn't necessarily have to be a, a a dispatcher now you mentioned something about flight following what, what does that mean? So for all of our trips, and just kind of because of the sheer volume of trips, there's really three of us that will watch flights, um, myself and the other two dispatchers. And so say that a flight is leaving, you know, out of Ostrava. So that's middle of the night here for us. So we try to split those up um, where we're not all awake around the clock. So like I'll take I'll take that early morning, late night shift um, and I will wait until the plane takes off and I will reach out and send what we call a movement message to the company that we're working with. Um, and the movement message lets them know that the aircraft has departed and this is how long you can expect before they land again. And if our pilots are going home after that, I'll arrange travel to get them back home from where they need to be. But we don't do that until they depart because the, the um, kind of the nature of the beast is it's there's just delays like crazy. And so while they're while they're flying, I'll kind of keep them. Uh, I'll keep their flight up on flight aware. Or I'll keep it up on flight radar. And once they land, I send the movement message and they have their confirmations to be sent home. You know, it's amazing with new technology that you can do that, you know, and so. Uh, Phenomenal, so, you know, flight aware, flight and ADSB. It's 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 absolutely incredible. You know, going back to you know moving aircraft. So I know in the airline business we talk about aircraft delivery. I think you use that term maybe differently. Uh, we talk about aircraft delivery and acceptance mm-hmm. uh, almost being the same thing. But there's two parts to that. There's the delivery, the movement of the airplane, which we've been talking about, uh, and then there's the acceptance side, and that's the part where. Uh, you may be hired to accept an aircraft for a specific operator. What's a good way to describe the difference between acceptance and delivery? Yeah, so for us, I would say we probably would consider the flight, uh, we call it a ferry. Um, And then for the acceptance, um, we typically call them demo flights. Um, But it's the same, it's roughly the same thing. Um, I think it's just the terminology there. But for us, if we're doing um, a demo flight, it's about a two-hour flight um, where we go through the manufacturer's recommendations or the operator, and we do a series of systems checks um, on the aircraft. And this can be done prior to lease acceptance. It can also be done on the lease return. And so the pilots will go, and there are ground and airborne checks that need to be accomplished uh, to verify the operation of the aircraft itself as well as the backup systems. And so once that's done, they will create a report and list any squawks that they've noticed with the aircraft. Um, and that's things that can that need to be repaired or adjusted. And depending on what these squawks are, we may be called out to do a refly of this aircraft before it can fully be accepted back. What's interesting is that a lot of people don't realize you have to, like if something comes out of maintenance, you have to test fly that aircraft 
And uh, I'm assuming that you also do that for companies that just don't maybe don't have the pilots to test fly the aircraft that they're bringing uh, off lease or or on lease, like you're just saying. Um, maybe they're a company that an airline say that has just doesn't have enough pilots to go out and test fly all these airplanes. Um, do you do anything like that? Do you work with the airlines at all? So we do work with airlines. Um, a lot of that has recently that I've seen been taking planes to and from storage that were put in storage from the pandemic. But these are recently coming out of maintenance and we're kind of, I guess, coupling that with the demo flights, um, doing a demo and then a ferry um, to get them to where they're going again. Um, and so these are either ones that the airline has gone out of business because of the pandemic or they were just temporarily stored and are being returned. And so that all gets done in around the same time. So a lot of the airlines I've worked with and worked for, they'll use Part 91 pilots. They'll hire them through an organization like yourself, and they'll actually not just do delivery from the from you know the desert, but also maintenance delivery flights and, and even test flights. So there's a lot of opportunity there, especially now because there's such a shortage of pilots, and that's that we call them Part 91 pilots. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, it's it's very it's interesting. And I know I'm going to get some comments. There's some dynamics there as far as contracts are concerned, et cetera, for the pilots that are working at the airline. Um, and those are all usually spelled out within their contracts how many Part 91 pilots can fly. Uh, but it actually it's it's pretty fascinating business. What I thought was really cool is is seeing a Part 91 pilot coming into the terminal with jeans and a T-shirt on and, and taking an Airbus that I just got off of with a, you know, with passengers in a, in a uniform on. It's like, hey, I want to fly with jeans and a T-shirt. Oh, yeah. That's, that's usually our guys walking through. They're going, they're going and they're um, getting off of one plane, getting directly onto another one. And they have their, they'll dress up, quote unquote, there with their jeans and then their pilot shirts with their epaulets. And then we're in like boots. <laughs> They're like, this is about as fancy as you're going to get me. Enjoy it. It's funny because a lot of people do the the cargo thing for that. You know, if you listen to people, you know, they go to work and at the airport in in uniform, then they have another quote unquote uniform in flight, winds up being a t-shirt and jeans. You're looking at a whole world that you're dispatching to. How do you keep up with all these places? You just mentioned the name of a a city. I don't even know the city you mentioned. Um, Ostrava. It's in Poland. And so you really have to get to know the globe. And, and I think that's pretty cool. Do you get to go? Do you get, do you get to actually go to these places? Are you able to actually jump scene on there? I haven't gone anywhere just yet. Um, they keep me so busy. So um, it is definitely in the plans for me to be able to take a flight as crew um, and work that way. But yeah, in regards to learning the globe, I have no clue. Um, <laughs> I really heavily rely on Google um, to tell me where places are. Um, I'm still working on that. And I will say... Not only are learning these different countries difficult, learning all these different time zones has been a huge challenge. So I feel like I'm working in six different time zones. Like a couple weeks ago, the same day, we had about four or five different flights going at the same time. And so I was going from, I think, like 7 a.m. until about 4.30 in the morning just on all these different on all these different time zones because we've got these pilots are going to sleep finally landing their plane. These ones are waking up <laughs> taking their plane. This one is just kind of, you know, an easy ferry, so I don't really have to worry worry about them. But you know, you're watching this and you're handling all of um, all of these different cruise requests, um, answering all their questions watching their flights, making sure they're getting there. It's just, you're, you're constantly going. So how do you manage that? And how do you, where do you go to work? Is it from home? 
I do. I work remote, um, and it's really great. We have everybody that works with the company is remote. There's only a couple of us in the States, um, and then our dispatchers are based out of Calgary, and then we have our vice president who's based out of Thailand. So we are really all over the globe. So communication is incredibly important. Yeah, we have to have really good communication. And it's that's that can be challenging because a whole two out of our six or seven of us are f- flying a lot. So if you need something, you've got to you've got to time out your answer, your questions and your answers <laughs> because you're going to be like, "Hey, real quick, you're landing and you have 30 minutes. Can you please answer all these 20 questions that we have to do or I won't be able to talk to you for two more days?" It's amazing though that this has brought the world together and made it smaller using the internet, but you're always going to need people to move things and people around the world. And that's where we come into the airplane and enables us to make the world smaller by actually touching flesh, as they say. And, uh, and that's why we're doing this. That's why we're in this career. Yeah. Um, you know, and cause some people are probably thinking right now, well, why do we need the airplanes if we can do this, this remotely? Well, you can't, can't have uh, parties and, and personal relationships, you know, over the internet, you have yeah. to actually get out there and talk to people. I think that's that's important too, and that also I would think might be a challenge in certain remote working. And I was wondering if that actually is for you also is being able to just to get that social aspect of work. Has that been a challenge for you? Um, yes and no. If I get bored, um, I usually will go terrorize somebody that I work with. Um, we, we have Slack and we have WhatsApp. Um, and so I'll be messaging people throughout the night. It's kind of nice actually, because I already don't get out much, um, before work, but now I kind of have somebody 24 seven that I can like talk to. (laughs) There's random people that are awake at every hour. So I'm like, Hey, do you need any help with anything? I'm, I'm awake and I'm bored. This industry you're in, is there organizations that they can you can join? I mean, talking about not just the social aspect, but maybe even for careers. Um, you know, I know there's airline pilots forums and stuff like that. Are there are there uh, like is there a aircraft ferry and delivery organization out there that that you guys join, or is there a, or you know are you just specifically out there? Or just you know, I know it's a very small group of people. Um, I see the the Facebook pages for people in specific airlines, but, uh, is there like a professional organization or anything like that for, you know, ferry flying, that kind of thing? I would have to look. I'm not totally sure on that. I know that there is, um, a company where we'll go and we'll represent ourselves, um, and kind of meet and greet, but I, I'm not certain if that's strictly ferry, ferry flying or if it's just kind of business aviation. And then of course we, uh, a lot of it's just word of mouth really. So that's how you find you find those those careers, and you listen to podcasts like this, and, <laughs> yeah. uh, and apps. And if people do have questions, by the way, feedback at aviationcareerspodcast.com, and we'll send them to Brianna because I'm sure people are going to have questions. Say, hey, ask Brianna this, and uh, and we'll definitely have you back on to talk about that. Um, but uh, there's this is a very unique career. Uh, we talked about many different aspects of it, from the flying part of it, being a pilot, but also to the operations side, and and it's. It's incredibly interesting, I think, because you do get to learn so much about the world. Like you have been saying, you use Google a lot. And really, I think it makes you grow. And I think that's that's really, really cool. Uh, but, you know, we've been talking about Nomadic, and we forgot to mention their website. So let me just mention this. Nomadic.aero is the company that you work for. And, uh, you know, they, they do a lot of aircraft deliveries. Um, they do acceptance uh, and different types of ferry flying. 
And it's it's really something that I think that people should look into because it is dynamic. It, it is uh, definitely different. And uh, it's uh, and I love the term nomadic because I think people that do this type of flying almost are like nomads. And I, I've been accused of being a nomad for all the different places. I've been based all over the, you know, the, the U.S. And I think it's, it's something that I, I really would have a lot of people consider because um, you know everybody talks about the airlines. I mean, you should you should look at all these other jobs out there specifically. This too. Is there anything else you want people to know before we close out? As far as uh, this career, uh, looking at it from a career perspective, if someone was looking into getting into it, uh, where they might find more information, either about nomadic or or also about this type of job. Yeah, of course. So um, just kind of looking at the website, you can see more about what we do. Like I said, it's really hard to explain, and I feel like you know. This is me explaining it the best that I can because it's one of those things that unless you're in it, it doesn't make sense. It's a really great opportunity because it is so different. Um, I've worked Part 91 before, and this is a totally different type of Part 91. Um, and we have such a tight-knit crew, and that really makes it all kind of better. Um, it just adds to how fun the job really is. And we have great pilots, um, and this is a really challenging type of career for pilots because it it's not your point A to point B airline flying. Um, it's not survey flying. You're really kind of testing a lot of different areas of knowledge as a pilot. And I think that that's awesome opportunity as well. Absolutely. I think that is. And uh, if you're looking for a challenge, it's the place to go. You won't get bored. You will not get bored at all. Um, there's just about as much work in it as you can uh, physically handle. <laughs> so there's always something. And um, I also wanted to mention that for kind of like our, aside from our website, we do have a YouTube channel um, that shows the behind the scenes on our trips. Um of actually in the cockpit. So um, our managing partner, Steve, he runs it. It is called um, Speed Tape Films on YouTube, and it's called Cockpit Casual. And so one of my favorite Cockpit Casual episodes that we have is, it's called The Tale of Seven Virgins, and it's from the pandemic where they flew seven virgin uh, Australia planes to the desert for storage and then had to fly them back. So they did a whole seven ship operation simultaneously. That's cool. So what uh, speed tape films will we'll have that in the in the show notes. I'll yeah. link to that. Um, so a, a YouTube channel. Love the YouTube videos, especially delivery flights and that kind of thing. That that seems awesome. I saw some pictures on on the website, but uh, that looks absolutely interesting. Uh, so we'll have that nomadic air. And as a matter of fact, if you go to nomadic arrow. Uh, you can actually find the YouTube channel at the bottom of the page there. Uh, so, Brianna, thanks so much for coming on. I uh, Also, we're going to have you on uh, our sister podcast, Stuck Mike Avcast, to talk a little bit about, uh, in the general aviation world, uh, running a actual club, a flying club. So you're not just into to the airline and big plane world, you're into the small air, airplane world. Oh yeah, I got two jobs. <laughs> plenty to plenty to go around. And somebody with a lot of energy, that is for sure. I mean, uh, I most people have a tough time keeping up with me. I have a tough time keeping up with you. I mean, this is <laughs> it's amazing all the different things you do and it's it's so wonderful to watch you out there uh, on the internet. We're going to have links too if you want. We're going to put it down there as far as your Instagram account uh, and uh, in the show notes here. 
Uh, so if you want to follow some of the things you're doing, some really cool stuff. I thought that was a really cool picture of where you took your daughter to uh, uh, an airline, Delta Airlines, I think it was, to actually check out the flying and flight operations. Yep, they invited they invited her out there. They bought her a plane ticket to go for her birthday <laughs> to go awesome. and hang out at the headquarters. She got to fly the triple seven sim. So that, that is was- so cool. She loved it. <laughs> that is so awesome. And uh, that I, I didn't, you know, that's such a life changing event. Like when you take someone up flying, you take somebody in a simulator, uh, it really does change their lives. And I saw the, the smile on her face, and that was, that oh, was yeah. just priceless right there. Uh, but again, Brianna, thanks so much for joining us. And uh, we'll definitely have you back on. I really appreciate it. All right. Awesome. Thank you so much again for having me. And thanks to everybody that's listening. Don't forget uh, feedback at aviationcareerspodcast.com if you have any questions for myself and for Brianna. And if you ever want to be on the show, check out uh, aviationcareerspodcast.com. Look at the courses and it'll show you how you can be a guest on the show and set up a time. And of course, this episode was sponsored by Plain English Sim. And Plain English Sim is that app-based aviation uh, radio simulator for both VFR and IFR. And they're giving away 50 scholarships guides by using the coupon code Plain English Sim. That's one year free access to the scholarships guide. We have over 120 million uh, of scholarships out there and we're growing every single day. I really highly recommend it. It's a small price to pay to uh, move forward in your career and in your life. But what I'd like you to do is now that you're done listening to this, uh, take some action. Go to the show notes, click on Nomadic Arrow, Speed Tape Films, take a look at Brianna's Instagram site. But do something today that will actually help you move forward in your career and in your life. Might be something small, just writing a note telling yourself, this is what you need to do tomorrow. This is what I need to do today. Maybe it's ordering a book, but make sure you do it now. Do it today. We'll talk to you next episode. Safe flying out there. You have been listening to Aviation Careers Podcast, an aviation podcast about living your dream and pursuing an exciting aviation career. This aviation podcast is produced by the Valeri Aviation Corporation. Although hosts or guests may receive compensation for products and services discussed in this podcast, compensation never influences our opinion. Before purchasing any product or service, you should always do your own research.